Welcome, welcome, welcome to Thirst Knowledge Podcast, episode 90. I'm James Evers. I'm Justin. And I'm Seth Tardiff. And today on the episode, we're talking the history of beer, part 10, modern craft beer, part 2. Oh boy, it is our final history of beer episode. It's been a long time in the works, and we are covering the time period from 2015 until present. The main topics we're hitting here are mobile canning, popular beer styles of the time, big beer, buying craft beer, and mergers, breweries during the COVID-19 pandemic, and our predictions for the future of beer. So join us as we go down the rabbit hole with notable New England IPAs, pleasurable pastry stouts, and Chinese snow chowder cervezas on the history of beer. Okay, guys, we've made it this far. Part 10. 10. 10, which means we're at episode 90. That's pretty wild. It's a long, old man. It's a lot of episodes. I know. A lot of episodes about fucking nonsense. <laughs> my goal my goal is the 10,000 episode. That's your goal? 10,000? Dude, I'm going to be... Hopefully we're Dead. like 120, we 140. We're going to start podcasting every day. <laughs> yeah, that's never going to happen. 10,000 podcast episodes. What would that take? So we did 90 in three years? It, three and a half years. Three and a half years. We're doing 26 yeah. a year pretty much, right? Yeah. It would take 26 us, a year. Right? Or no? It's a little bit more than 26 a year. Is it? I mean... It's every two you, weeks, if right? You, if you, yeah, if you count, yeah. if you count last calls, which we don't count as our normal, you know... Yeah. Yeah. You know, a long way has come since our first episode, yeah. History of Beer Part 1. I know. Which was like a broad overview before we knew we were actually going to do this multi-part big series on the History of Beer. The audio's improved. Yep. yep. James's hair's gotten longer. James's hair's a lot longer. Mm. Yeah. It keeps growing. I don't yeah. know what the fucking <laughs> to do with but there's, you know, there's one, th- I think one of the biggest things that I learned doing this history of beer series is that political corruption. Uh, well, I mean, I knew that it just, you know, reinforced it, the prohibition episode mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, in the first couple episodes, when we were talking about like the oldest of the old shit, there's stuff there, but it's like a lot of speculation. It was like before written history for the most part. You right. Know? But when we get into the more modern episodes, we're just scratching the surface in like each of those episodes. Yeah. And that's going to go for this episode as well. So we're, we're covering 2015 to present, you know, where, where we left off last time. And um, I, I know like a lot of the broad stuff that's happening in the industry because I joined the industry in 2015. Oh, so nice. I, I kind of know for the most part, like what's been going on since then. Um, but when I started diving into like the bullet points that I'd made for this episode, I was like, fuck, we can literally do multi-part episodes on each subject that we're going to scratch the surface of today. Sure. And, and I feel like that's, that's really like, there could have been a whole podcast that was dedicated to the history of beer. You know, oh, for sure, right? Yeah, there might actually be one. There, I mean, there, there potentially is. I, 
I, I haven't searched for it specifically, but maybe we'll have to. Mm. Um, nonetheless, uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground and I think we've hit a lot of the high points. I think we've hit a lot, uh, especially with craft beer and like craft beer in a, like how ancient brewing practices led us to, um, modern craft beer in America. Basically, I ancient think, ales to Chinese cervezas, man. I know. Yeah. Chinese cervezas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We'll talk a little bit about China in this one, but mm, only, yeah. only briefly, only very, very briefly. But we always start these history of beer episodes uh, with a featured beer, and it usually has something to do with a brewery or a style or something that was popular during the time period that we're covering. And the beer that we're doing today. Geez, Seth, way to be on the nose about all this. <laughs> As if the audience couldn't pick that up. Uh, you know, maybe this is their first episode. What are we drinking? We're drinking Bissell Brothers Mentation. Mentation. Like yes. menstruation, but mentation. No. Oh, okay. Not, yeah, not really. So, Cheers. Uh, cheers. Yeah, that's, that's cheers uh, for 10, 10 history of beers. 10 histories of beers. Yeah. Mm. That is quite dank, if you will. It reminds me of marijuana. That's because it has um, terpenes in it. Ooh, no drugs in it, though, right? Uh, no drugs. Okay, uh, no drugs fail in this a beer. Test. No, no. So um, uh, this beer was a collaboration that Bissell Brothers did with Mentation Cannabis. Mm, that's and why the name. Yes, exactly. So uh, the primary hops in this beer are Mosaic and Simcoe. And the other ingredient uh, that is not um, beer-related, the adjunct, if you will, although hops do have terpenes. Sure. Um, the terpenes that were added to this beer are very um, specifically derived from cannabis. Mm. So there's no THC, there's no CBD <clears throat> in this beer. Uh, it's just terpenes that were derived from cannabis right. and it gives it like the aroma on this beer smells like yeah it smells dank yeah 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 because yeah. now there are some craft beers that i've had that were just the four ingredients you know hops malt water and yeast and you're like oh man that because hops are a, a relative of cannabis so there are some shared aromatic compounds there and some beers you're like wow this is really dank but this stuff it smells like drugs like <laughs> hands yep. down. Uh, so if you're into that sort of thing, it's 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 pretty neat. Um, but one of the reasons you know we're, we picked this this Bissell beer, uh, it, who we talked about in the last history of beer episode briefly, because they formed in 2013 in Portland, Maine, um, was you know um, New England IPAs uh, during this time period is when they really got huge and when they really became what they became, and it's. I probably I it has to be the most popular style in craft beer specifically right, right now, now in, Amer sure. in America <clears throat> right Cra now yeah craft beer in America like it's New England IPA there's some other um you know big styles that we'll talk about but that and, and we've kind of led up to this point in the last couple of history of beers like kind of tracing how the New England IPA came to be and Bissell Brothers was one of the breweries in the area that was putting out these New England style IPAs that was helped define and craft the style. Um, so we figured picking a New England IPA for this episode, as well as one that's got the terpenes in it, because that 
goes into the theme of what is ahead for craft beer and what is like currently there's people playing around with cannabis and beer as those things start to become legal in different states like in maine it is legal um and who knows what what it'll look like if it ever becomes federally legal and all that all that such um well the thing about i mean cannabis aside the the interesting thing about this using terpenes within the brewing process mm. unlocks so much potential oh yeah you know with it, terpenes aren't just limited to that dank exactly. smell and flavor mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. mean we're talking it can contribute to an earthy smell or, or flavor profile or you know succulent or yeah fruity fruity um, yeah. <clears throat> you, depending on the terpenes and the chemical compounds and how they're created the fact like it, it, it has so much potential to unlock hundreds of different flavor profiles with different recipes in beer. Oh, yeah. And and this could be the start of that next evolution of yeah. the future of craft beer. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing more breweries uh, play around with this kind of stuff. I know there's been some legal things, depending on what state you're in. Even when uh, marijuana is legal in your state, like it can depend on... There's this whole thing where you're mixing the two, alcohol and marijuana-related things. So even though there's no THC in it, it still gets a little dicey. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Because it's just chemicals. Yeah. It's just like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Like if you were to put CBD in beer, it's like, oh, well, you know. The whole caffeine and alcohol mixture back in like... the. Well, that was allowed. 12, 13, 14, yeah. 15. And then it got... It they got, banned that they, shit. They Four loco. Yeah. 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 There was even like beers that were coming... Like beer, like craft beers that were coming out that had caffeine added to them. Um, Fucking buzz beer, man. Coming out of <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio. Right? Oh, yeah. Fuck. Now, what's the whole <laughs> rule with like coffee... Like like a coffee porter or something like that. Um, the, the, you got to extract the caffeine out of it. No, you don't. You, you can don't. put coffee in beer, um, but it the the caffeine content is so minimal. This yeah. is like kind of a misconception. Like people think like, oh, if this is a coffee beer, it's loaded with caffeine. It's like half coffee, <laughs> half beer mixed together. No, yeah, like yeah. Y- you're talking about like you're getting the flavors of. coffee. You're getting most of the flavor out of the coffee. You still are getting caffeine, but it's so little. Because is it like you, a cup of coffee for a barrel or some shit like that? Um, maybe not. Maybe maybe a little bit more. But I mean, when you make a coffee stout at home in your five gallon, keg, yeah. So I use about four or five ounces of cold brew, and that gives me a really good coffee flavor. That's so, it. Yeah, that that's it. So wow. so you're talking about in a barrel of beer, um, maybe maybe thirty ounces. Of, yeah. of, of coffee maybe so and that's in a so barrel negligible. which is 31 gallons <laughs> you know what i mean wow i didn't think it was that little yeah it's that little so yes there is caffeine in there but it is it's so small compared it's pr- to a four loco which is probably equal to like four <laughs> which is equal to, yeah 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 that stuff was loaded with caffeine that was like drinking uh, so they must have been putting drink. like liquid caffeine or like powdered caffeine into uh, their mixture oh definitely like jack yeah. damn that sounds dangerous yeah yeah Super dangerous. I never dude. had a four loco. Ooh, I never had. Nasty. I think I Are tried they? a sip of Ooh. one of one one time, but I was like, "No, this is dumb." Yeah, pre ban, pre pre recipe change because it's it's available now, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. One of my good buddies used to get down 
and he <laughs> found out that they were getting like banned or whatever and he went to like his local like convenience store this indian guy and he bought like fucking 20 cases of four loco so in his college dorm he had like a stack of them yeah yeah and i think he was selling them to kids because Probably. sure <laughs> making bank like this shit's illegal man like they don't sell it anymore and, yeah. but they used to shotgun those fuckers <sighs> yeah and it's like a 24 ounce can yeah it's a big thing yeah, but yeah. what's different between that and a vodka red bull no, it's. I mean, it's essentially the yeah. same. I mean, it's just malt liquor. It's like real high proof. I think they're like yeah. eight or nine percenters. They're yeah. gross, like fake flavoring. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was just like malt liquor and caffeine. Like yeah. those things were disgusting. Yeah. You were not drinking those for the taste whatsoever. No, it's like a yeah. people were drinking them to get their night going. That's what they were yeah. doing. <sighs> no thanks. I never drank those. Yeah, I used to drink sh- Sparks. You guys remember Sparks? It was the same fucking thing. Same thing, but it was before that. And it was different, cooler. Different brand. It was, it was like the, it was like the, um, the skinny cans? The White Claw skinny cans. Okay. Yeah. And they came in like little six packs. They're I called never had them. Sparks. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Dye um, your mouth orange. <laughs> in our previous episode, we had talked about um, the shift from bottles to cans and how that was happening. Uh, so I wanted to start off the so this episode is also going to be structured a little bit differently than some of the other previous history of beers where normally we'll just go in chronological order what happened right this is going to be another one where we're going to kind of hit some key topics of things that happened during this span of time um, because it it gets a little weird uh, you, we'd be kind of jumping back and forth between the same topics if we're going in chronological order, sure. essentially. So I'm going to start with the first topic here of mobile canning, okay? Mm. What um, is mobile canning? What is mobile canning? So in 2015, when I joined the beer industry, um, and early in the year when I was looking uh, to try and get into a brewery or whatever, I saw this, uh, these job postings for mobile canning, and I had no clue what that meant at the time. Uh, as if you're listening to this podcast and you're hearing mobile, you might know now maybe because it's, it's blown up a little bit from when it first came out, but your average consumer probably doesn't know. I would about, say they still probably don't. They probably don't know what yeah. mobile canning is, what it looks like, how it works. I just remember reading the job posting in 2015 and being like, what the hell could this be? Like you have equipment that you bring to a brewery and you can beer for them. But that like, I just envisioned like rolling up with a truck, taking the sides down and then like plugging tanks into sure. the side of it. And then like cans get pumped out the back or so. I had no clue. Yeah. Like, like as I'd been to breweries and I've done tours and I saw like some bigger canning lines and things like in packaging lines and stuff. But I couldn't, like, imagine, like, just bringing a whole packaging line to a brewery and, and setting it up and, and all that jazz. So essentially what mobile canning is, is you, you put the equipment that you need for packaging beer onto a truck, you drive it to a brewery, you unpack all that equipment, bring it inside the brewery, hook up to their tanks, uh, run cans through your canning line, and then when you're done... You pack all that stuff back up, put it on the truck, and then drive back to your warehouse. And that's what you do every day. And it's it's to be clear, it's full packaging, right? Like you're you're running the cans through it, you're filling the beer, you're 
you're putting the labels on your your it's the full packaging process right yes yeah, so um essentially the 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 common equipment that you find so mobile mobile canners um they there's companies that are just two to three people that and that's the whole company they have one canning line they have one truck okay and then there's companies that have lots of canning like 50 to 70 canning lines plus um and and they operate across the country and they they have multiple teams and warehouses and infrastructure okay but essentially at its core is you have a truck that has the machine that fills the beer you have the machine that um holds the pallets of cans and then feeds them through to the the filler machine right so if you can picture you have a, a pallet just you know you know the wooden pallet or whatever there's cans all stacked on top of that with sheets in between to because you wouldn't stack empty cans just on top of each other there needs to be a barrier or they're all going to fall over yep. right then those those cans get loaded onto a depalletizer depalletizer yeah so there's there's manual depalletizers and there's auto depalletizers. So an auto depalletizer isn't typically used by a mobile canner. An auto depalletizer is used by big companies or like Budweiser um, or something. I mean, um, yeah, or like even a brewery um, the uh, the size that I work for, we have an auto depalletizer. Okay. So that you can take a full big giant stack of cans, you push that st- uh, stack of cans into the depalletizer. And it will um, change the rows for you, essentially, and load them down through your twist rinser, which twist rinser. which sanitizes the cans before they go to the filler. Now, mobile canning, it's a little smaller. You'll either have an, uh, a manual depalletizer where you have to take the rows of cans off the pallet yourself and then load them into the top layer of the depalletizer. So you're actually physically pushing them, whereas with an auto depalletizer, it does it for you. You don't have to worry about it. Nonetheless, um, mobile canners will either have a, 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 a manual depalletizer or they won't even have one. They'll just have people, like if it's that small, you're taking cans off of a pallet and p- physically putting them into, uh, and that depends on the size of the canning line that you have. Because yeah. if you're, some of them only, they run very slow. They run at like, Let's say a, a slow canning line runs uh, of this size will run anywhere between a couple of cans to like 10 cans a, a minute. Oh, wow. That's like max. So, But typically, you're going to be running somewhere around 40 cans a minute, okay, which is like a little less than a couple of cases of beer. Now, that's that's slow by like big boy standards. You know what I mean? Like these places like Budweiser, they're running hundreds of if not thousands of cans per minute sure like they're just ripping that shit right Mm -hmm. but at the craft level 40 cans a minute's pretty respectable for for most breweries nonetheless on this truck you've got your filler your depalletizer your twist rinse which is sanitizing your cans before they go to the filler then after the can is filled it's in that same machine it goes into a seamer and then it spits it out the other end so you have a filled can of beer and after it gets spit out in the other end, you have to put it manually into a box and then, you know, put it on, put it onto another pallet. Now, in some cases back in the day, 
you would be putting those old school rings, the plastic rings, like your classic six pack rings. And there's a machine that does that as well. The ones that get stuck on turtles and dolphins. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> yeah. So when I first started working for Mobile Canyon in 2015, there was still a fair, a fair amount of breweries that were using those rings. And it made it, e- not only was it easier to, um, uh, I mean, that was just like the thing at the time, Pactex, those plastic things that get stuck on the top of cans. Those were just starting to be Those become, little four-pack things? The little four-pack things, yeah. Those were just starting to become popular when I was getting into the industry in 2015. But it was mostly you had the rings, and it made it easier uh, when you had that ring machine because now you're just taking six a six-pack of cans or a four-pack of cans off the canning line. You're not scrambling to grab individual cans as they're getting spit out. So it like puts it into a neat little package that you can just grab six cans at a time, right. put it into a case. So now you need less manpower to actually put it into a box or whatever it may be, right? So all that equipment, including if you had a labeler, if you were labeling the cans, is all on a box truck. including the stuff that you need to clean and maintenance that equipment, which is pretty wild. So why I'm talking about this and why I'm saying all this is because I believe that one of the big reasons that we saw the shift from bottles to cans was because of mobile canning. Now these smaller breweries that maybe didn't have a packaging line or they had a small bottling line or something like that could have a mobile canner roll up to their brewery, make a whole bunch of cans for them. And now those cans can either get sold out of that brewery or go to distribution where now they're on shelves next to other regional craft breweries that we were talking about. Like how we used to say, Oh, you could go into a local bottle shop back in the day and get 12 different dogfish beers Whereas now, instead of getting 12 dogfish beers, you're getting maybe two, and then you're getting a bunch of local stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Right. More diversity on the shelves, that kind of thing. Um, Because these those bigger breweries that had more stuff on the shelves, they all had large bottling lines. Whereas now, all these local smaller places can have the mobile canners come in and make a bunch of different cans for them. Hmm. So now, real quick, yeah, <clears throat> when you were kind of signing up or looking into getting a job with a mobile mobile canning facility, was this? I know you didn't know what it was at the time, but was this pretty new as far as like technology? Was this was mobile canning like just? Is this where it really gets its its start? It, it's up and up. It, it is yeah, around this it, time. It was pretty new. So the company that I worked for was founded in 2013. Okay, and I don't think they actually started operating until 2014. Uh, I might be a little off on that, but I'm pretty sure they weren't. Like, I, I think the company was founded in 2013, but they weren't actually operating yet. Gotcha. They started in 2014, and when I joined that company, they had three canning lines. They had three trucks with three canning lines. And then by the time I left the company, which was three years later, um, they had close to 50 canning lines, I think, or something like Damn. that. So it 50 was a, trucks? It was a pretty meteoric rise. Um, th- were originally servicing just like the New England, New York, New Jersey area. And then it went all the way down to the East Coast. And to this day, now they're in another time zone. They're, they're huge. They've got multiple warehouses all over the place. Uh, I think they're... Pro- 
I think they're the biggest mobile canner in the country. If not, they're definitely the biggest on the East Coast. Okay. And um, I know that there's other bigger mobile canners that are on the West Coast and then maybe some in the Midwest as well. But Wow. Um, this One of the things that made mobile canning possible was this filler um, that uh, – became popular because before then most packaging line you didn't need smaller packaging lines because there weren't breweries that were that small and if they were that small you were talking like brew pubs or places that are just serving their local towns or whatever you didn't start to see all these but until once the all these craft breweries started exploding as we've detailed like the numbers just kept going up and up more of them needed to have things packaged and uh it's not like you can just find somebody that has experience running these packaging lines too. Um, it because there weren't that many, similar to like you could. It's hard to find. It was hard to find brewers because there weren't these places didn't exist right until. But then oh, there were all these home brewers that went commercial and all this stuff. So there was this need for all these services, and there wasn't necessarily enough people that knew how to do that kind of stuff yet. So um, this company. There's a few different companies that make mobile canning lines. Um, the most popular, the one that I've worked with the most, uh, is a company called Wild Goose. So they built this canning line that has anywhere between one to five filler heads, if you will. And that's where you get that range in speed. Because if you're fill, you're filling one can at a time or you're filling five cans at a time, that's right. going to greatly increase your speed on your packaging By line. five times. Yeah. <laughs> Um, wow, man. I know. Good calculations. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So um, they, they made a really popular canning line that was that size. And now because of mobile canners, there's a bunch of them out there. And then essentially you'd, you'd get these breweries that, oh, they started using a mobile canner. And then they're like, oh, hey, we could just buy our own, you know. Um, so then they end up buying one or whatever. Um, but this this equipment like the the you know these smaller canning lines really didn't exist until around this time and it was that coupled with the mobile canning thing that really skyrocketed uh, all these cans getting made from these breweries and i think cans were the choice uh, not only because um brands like hetty topper made cans popular um and also, I think we talked about it a little bit in the last episode, but there was this thing, there was this stigma about cans, like you can't get good beer in cans. Like, right. <clears throat> it was like a cheap beer was in a can. Exactly. But then all these prominent local breweries started to put stuff in cans and that stigma went away. And flip-flopped. And then it was like, if you have it in glass, you have a good chance of getting it and skunked. Yeah. And that whole sunlight thing and the green bottles <clears throat> and the clear bottles and shit. And it's just easier to deal with cans. They're lighter. Um, yeah, you can put you can put the labels on. I mean, you can put labels on on you know uh, obviously bottles and stuff too. But you could get those printed cans that have the ink actually on them. You know that look cool. There, there there's a lot more options. I think you know to, for 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 packaging to make it look different or whatever. Is- is packaging harder with a can though, especially for like quality control? Because when you were running those canning lines, wasn't there also a whole process of making sure that 
there was enough like I don't know, fucking like dissolved oxygen and and like make sure your all the levels were right. Yes, and, yeah. Because yeah, you can fuck yeah. that up. And <clears throat> there's been plenty of canned beers that I've purchased from yeah. reputable. Well, not I wouldn't say like big companies, but like breweries. real small craft breweries mm-hmm. where like. I love this brewery, but they're so fucking hit and miss yeah. because they're canning, like how their canning process is, mm-hmm. isn't as refined. Yeah. that the, the, in, in the early days of mobile canning, there was, um, in certain circles, there was this like, hey, um, mobile canning's shit. Like they don't, right. know, they don't know what they're doing and all this stuff. And uh, I think a lot of people in the industry did like... Canning was newer, you know, so it's like trying to figure it out, work through the kinks. There's also all the variables of like, okay, is it, um, is it the mobile canner's fault? Is it the brewery's fault? The training involved? Because um, because not not one of the things I learned is it's it's not just about like obviously you need to adapt to your situations, right? But there's um, some you know, inexperienced breweries and inexperienced mobile canners, you know, and you have to learn and get better and improve your process. And in some cases you would, you'd show up to a brewery and you would have this, you know, um, uh, the, you'd have a product that wasn't necessarily ready to go yet. You know, it either, it may have not been finished fermenting. It may have uh, been undercarbed or overcarbonated and all these things can, all these things can prove to be a challenge for the person that's packaging the beer. Like ideally there's certain situations where you're like, okay, I want my carbonation to be in this range. And if it's in that range, it needs to be in this temperature range, et cetera, et cetera. And that's something that like the mobile canner can't really, or anybody packaging beer can't necessarily control. Yeah. Tell that's them up to the ahead, of time, ahead of time. Like, yeah. Make sure it's at this temp at this. Yeah, if you're at this carbonation, we need you need to have you at this temp. And that there was a lot of in the early days, like mobile canners were figuring, and, and even like people running these small packaging lines, whether or not you were a mobile canner or just a brewery that had one of these small packaging lines, you had to figure out, oh, what are my perfect conditions? Dialing all that shit in. And dialing all that shit in. Yeah, that was very important. And I, I think in the, as in the industry as a whole, I think. In general, there's a lot more knowledge out there and we're a lot better about it, but there still are some people that might not be aware of those things. And now too, right? Like um, depending on what kind of beer you're brewing, you want to carbonate at a different level, right? Different styles have different carbonation levels. Yeah. You, if you want that crisp hit or like that light, like fizz, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is a new wing because the new wings are super popular. Those hazy beers, don't they have a light carbonation? Uh, typically they are carbonated on the lighter side. Yeah. Um, in the early days, it was interesting though, cause, um, uh, I, I guess we can kind of, we can, um, move into our New England IPA talk because around mm. this same time where I was joining the mobile canning and getting to this industry and everything, New England IPAs were there. <coughs> Seth has allergies. <laughs> yep. Seth's diagnosed with COVID. <laughs> and now we will be diagnosed with COVID. And then we will pass it on to our spouses and they will pass it on to their coworkers. <laughs> this is how the pandemic spreads. <laughs> we will all die soon of God COVID. 
So in the early days of uh, mobile canning and when I was joining the industry, New England IPAs were a thing, but they weren't what they are today by any means. And like James was saying, oh, they're usually carbonated on the lighter side. I remember very specifically um, being at some breweries that were some of the first breweries making New England IPAs. And they actually liked their carbonation on the higher side. But I think one of the reasons for that was, was because traditionally these West Coast style IPAs were carbonated a little bit higher. So some of the breweries hadn't quite figured out yet where they liked the carbonation at. And I think in general, where we've landed is that, that little, or I mean, it wasn't necessarily a consensus. It was just... Whether the market demanded it or the brewers liked it that way, New England IPAs kind of got carbonated a little bit on the lower side. Not super low. You're not talking like stouts and porters are typically like on the lower side. And there's some other um, styles that are also on that lower side without getting into technical you know, details. But I'd say your New England IPAs are carbed to like a typical range or slightly lower than the typical range that you get in a beer. Hmm. Is there anything that has to do with the amount of carbonation and like the aroma that it releases? Like a high carbonated beer like releases more like of a aroma of a smell. I think in or is that bullshit? Um, you, you'll. I think you'll get a little more aroma released just because the bubbles if those bubbles are coming up, you know, in uh, the head or whatever. Yeah, but you can get real, you can get good head retention without having a higher carbonation and stuff like that. You know, that's kind of more how the beer's made, how it's carved, that kind of stuff. Okay, okay. But um, yeah, so we're we're gonna shift now into our talk of the next subject, and, and like I said, mobile canning. There's a whole lot that you could talk about mobile canning, but. Well, we don't want to bore the listeners. We don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's a very brief. What I just described is a very, very brief overview of mobile canning, and this is the last time I'm going to say it for this episode. <laughs> what are every, you talking about? Every subject that we cover is going to be just scratching the surface here. So, this subject that we're going to go on to next is popular beer styles of the time. And 2015 to present, right? 2015. Let's see if you could predict some of them. And we'll, we'll, we'll start. Remember? We'll start with the New England IPA. First. New England IPA. <laughs> oh, very good. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the New England IPA, right? Oh, fuck yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. It's my um, favorite fucking style. It's delicious. As James said, they're hazy, mm, right? They're hazy. Yep. What's that even mean? So that means you you can't see through it well. It's not clear. It's Unfiltered? Not, it's not bright, as you'd say. Like an unfiltered cigarette? Like It's just like an unfiltered Natural. cigarette. Drinking <laughs> Natural. Drinking the way it should be. Yeah, drinking them Lucky Strikes. <laughs> so it, it's interesting because um, you can have clear beer that is also unfiltered. Really? Yes. Like, like, like lagers and stuff, right? Yeah. So you can, you, you can filter any beer. Um, and I think that uh, when, in certain styles and like New England IPAs and uh, like wit beers and stuff, you'd see like unfiltered on it. And I think that was just to, uh, to signal to the consumer, hey, it's not going to be clear. But you can still make clear beer without filtering it. In fact, most of the beer... Most of the craft beer you consume probably isn't filtered because filter filters are a little bit expensive and it becomes a process. 
So there's definitely breweries, like craft breweries that are decent size that are using filters for various reasons. But most of your local craft breweries probably aren't using filters anymore. Gotcha. Um, and there's other ways that you can either make your clear beer clear just by the nature of the yeast you're using, how long you're keeping it cold for, the lagering process, cold crashing, et cetera, et cetera. Jello. You could use gelatin. Gel- you can use Ooh. gelatin, uh, but most places don't use that anymore. Uh, uh, similar to Isenglass, which was used to filter uh, beers, you know, like um, Guinness we talked about. Uh, now, the thing that's most popular is this stuff called uh, Biofine, which is not made from an animal product, mm-hmm. which gelatin and Isenglass are. So for your vegetarians and such, uh, sure. Biofine is... Good I mean, that's a big portion of our craft brew drinkers are yes. vegetarians and vegans. I wonder if anyone's exactly. thought about using exactly. fish. Well, no, that's what Isenglass is. It's oh. made out of fish bladder. Oh. Yeah, that's so they stop. I was thinking of like a live fish, like a sucker fish just eating all the bottom, <laughs> all that shit back there. Yeah, 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 yeah just yeah. drop them in, let them clean it up. Algae like, fish. Like mm-hmm. those suckers, you know? <laughs> just throw them in the tank. But then maybe hindsight, they probably won't be able to live in that thing, right? You put like a little scuba tank on them so they could keep right, getting yeah. oxygen. Yeah, yeah. Hey man, who knows? But yeah, then but how also, are they? How are they breathing in and eating the same time? Yeah, you got to hook them up to their gills. But then you also got to hook up like something in their urethra and their ass so they don't like shit and piss into the water too. Yeah, but it'll no, add but, that extra but it's tang the beer, though. though. It's the yeah. It, they're you're gonna have killing all those germies. Thousands of them to filter that beer. Oh yeah, the number isn't an issue. <laughs> Right, we can breathe it's those. A, it's it's the fucking okay. it's how we're doing okay, it. Okay, all right. All it's right. the process. It's all the right. equipment. Yeah. All right. You know what? A New England IPA looks just like wart. Like it's not finished. Like it, no, you're 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 correct, James. Right? Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. Fuck. So um, typically, uh, New England IPAs are hazy. They're they're less bitter because of the way the hops are added during the process. Um, the the hops that are used are typically more of the fruity and juicy variety to mm. eat, throw all those god damn it Seth. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah yeah throwing out all the fun marketing words i love those um, juice beers whereas they're 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 typically less piney and resinous uh, which are or what your which are way better wh- your west coast ipa but but there are um there are new england ipas that do use that pine and the res like hops uh, it, it's just the fruity and juicy thing has been marketed so fucking much for New England IPAs. I had to throw it out there. Get some juice lord up in my house. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, the, it has the softer mouthfeel, if you will. That's due to the lower carbonation. It's due to the water profile that's used. Mm. So there's different salts that are added to make that, to uh, not accentuate some of the bitter flavors from the hops, whereas... With your like West Coast more bitter IPAs, you'll have salt profiles that are used to accentuate the bitterness of the hops. James, you're Biggie, and I'm Tupac, man. Yeah, I hate West Coast. I West Coast. I don't like that Citra anymore. I'm I'm against Citra hops now. Isn't that more East Coast? That's that more like. That citra hop man juicy. Citra citra is one that, go, that it goes both, it goes both ways though. Like oh, you'll okay. you'll see it popular in West Coast and in citra is like the I don't even know. It's it's universal. Like you can use it in so many different. Um, Some beers back in the day I used to drink. 
I would take a sip of it and I would be like, this is what I would think BO would taste like if I was like had a glass of BO. <laughs> <laughs> what what so like what like a West Coast yeah, like flavor. a really like I wouldn't say dank, but kind of like a dank beer. And I take a sip of it, and I'm like, "This tastes like what bo would taste like if it was just like a glass of liquid." There, and I'm like, "I hate this." Fucking there was taste. some hop crop years uh, that I can't remember specifically. It was Citra or Simcoe or both of them, mm. where uh, the the tasting or the aroma notes were like cat piss. Like that was. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I was like, "This is fucking gross." Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet they it didn't slow down production they no, still used cit- it citrus fucking everywhere dude um, yeah if, if you lined up a bunch of beers and I and you know I drank a bunch and I took a sip of one mm-hmm. and I'm like this one's gross there's a good chance every time I was like this one's gross I look at it and I'm like there's citra in it that's so funny and yeah. every time I'm like it must be that it must be that I don't yeah. know what else it could be because in my experience I think most of the people that I talk to who like are familiar with Citra, it's, it's, it, um, you might love it, but I don't really hear most people saying that they hate it. It's usually, mm. it's, it's not like, I don't know. It's what's something that's generally loved by everyone. Like it's the mm, blue jobs, uh, Freddie Prince jr. It's the Freddie Prince. Fuck jr. that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I heard exactly. Mark Wahlberg was actually a douchebag. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, then Dwayne Johnson. The okay, Rock. Yes. Everybody loves The Rock. There we go. Yes. All right. Citra is <laughs> the Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> I heard his hops. head looks like a penis yeah. tip. So. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. So, I don't know, man. What do you... Like, New England IPAs. Do you guys have any more comments about... I'm over it, I mean, man. I'm thirsty, man. Give me one. Do you got one over the here? Happy, I don't know if the Happy Little Pale is... That might be. It's an, it says American Pale Ale right yeah, on it. Right? I don't know if that... Yeah, it's not New England. I don't know. Here, try this one, James. Okay. Walk, walking, run. That's kind of yeah. what I'm going to do soon. Yep. <laughs> Just walk and run. I don't yeah. know. I, I was, you know, in the beginning I, of the New England IPA boom, I was, I was really on board. I was all for it. But mm-hmm. the fact that it's like... It's so popular across the it's country. It's so mainstream now. That yeah. it's, it's, and it's not because it's popularized. I hate it. Yeah. It's more the fact of like, that's less shelf space. For, for other styles. Other styles yeah. and also other like West Coast IPAs. It's, yeah. it's actually harder to find West Coast IPAs now. Yep. That's true. Which yeah, you're, sucks. So it's oversaturating the market. And yeah. It's fucking up potential other beers that you could be good and like and whatever. There is something that happened over the past couple of years uh, because of the success of certain breweries and how n- it was hard to get a good New England IPA for a while. It was re- it was it was really hard. Like you had to stand in lines. You had to because the style was new and the bigger breweries hadn't figured out how to do it like some of these smaller breweries were doing. Mm-hmm. So to get a good New England IPA, you had to spend a lot of money and waste a lot of time standing in lines. You know? Do you? Because uh, I'm only asking because you were there recently. But um, does has Dogfish ever released a New England IPA? I mean, this one's hazy. You're drink- yeah, James is drinking one right now. Hoppy. Oh, is that what Walking Run is? Yeah, yeah, pillow. yeah. Pillowy. Yes. Soft English-inspired Maine-style pale ale. Yeah, yeah. Maine-style pale ale? Yep. 
Were they playing it? Are they, yeah. It's not, they, technically, Maine is in New England, right? Exactly, exactly. A yeah. Maine-style IPA. <laughs> you know what, man, though? It's just how the market works. If something fucking goes, people, yeah. everyone wants to ride that wave. and it's, so, Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Is it dying out, Seth? Is New England IPA dying out? Yeah. I don't think so. Um, oh, fuck. Uh, I, I fe- but I do feel like because now better... New England IPAs are more easily available. It's kind of lost some of its like it. It definitely has lost some of the hype factor and the like the mysterious uniqueness and like oh we have to travel to get them and all sure. that stuff. It's sure. so I feel like it is opening up. Uh, it is so the problem that you have with it where it's like New England IPAs dominate shelf space now. I feel like we're starting to see some more styles come in back yeah. into play. Um, and I think it'll take a little while, but I, f- I don't, I'm, I don't want to say we're on the tail end of the new England IPA. I think it's here to stay, but I feel like we're in the next couple of years going to start to see more diverse shelf space. Okay. I, I'm I, I'm I'm guessing that New England IPAs are still an IPA in general is just gonna is still gonna dominate that shelf space. Sure. Yeah, but I think there's gonna be some breathing room. You know, at I least mean, I'm hopeful. What I've been drinking running. a lot lately are Czech Pills. Oh well, so good. Those dude. are um, those are definitely on an upswing. Are they? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a brewery I've been going to in Fitchburg, and that's my go-to now. Is, is it just the Thirsty their, Robot? Yeah. It's okay. their Czech Pills. All like, right. Fuck, this is good. It's crisp. Yeah, They yeah. only have one, and they've yeah. had it since they opened. So, the, yeah, there's breweries that, like, base their whole fucking, you know, they, they're trying to craft that perfect Czech Pills. Really? Um, and Which is hard to do, right? It has a very dis- – I mean – that's something I don't know if it's easy or hard, but that's it has like a very distinct flavor that I can pick up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I my I, I went to the brewery with my buddy, and he, he's he was just like I'm just gonna grab you something, and I went to the bathroom. And he's like, tell me what that is without looking at it. And I'm like, I took a sip. I'm like, that's a check pills. He's like, how do you know that? I'm like, I think they're like pretty fucking easy to detect, right? Oh yeah, they have that smell and they're crisp and yeah, clear. And yeah, fucking, yeah, 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 yeah. I had know. that one from Schilling last yeah. night. Yes. So good. It's good, right? So good. So, th- all right, this is a perfect transition because this is another one of the styles. This is kind of a little more broad because it's more than one style, but it's kind of dealing with a, what I was just saying is I think that we are seeing a resurgence in some traditional styles. Okay. And there's specific breweries like, um, you know, Schilling is a good example that they, they base their main brand around creating these traditional styles. And there's a handful of other breweries in the area that are either predominantly doing traditional styles, like Tributary does a good deal with that. You know, they're not just full of IPAs. They mostly do like traditional styles, do a couple IPAs. Um, uh, Notch Brewing in Salem, Massachusetts makes some of the best, you know, lager beer um, in the area. Definitely. So if you like check pills, you definitely got to check out Notch, James. Hmm. Um <clears throat> And uh, it's interesting because when craft bre- craft beer was first hitting and, and you had all these microbreweries, you were seeing a lot of traditional styles, you know, European styles dominate craft breweries. You had a whole slew of different lagers. You had your Belgian and your German styles, all this stuff. And you had IPA, 
But then once IPA hit, it kind of took off and you start to see breweries portfolios shift from more traditional stuff to making more IPAs. And I feel like it's starting to not move back into like, oh, you're not going to see traditional styles everywhere. But I think they're making a comeback. Be refreshing. Yes. Because like, it's like breweries are just like, if they got 20 beers on tap, like 15 of them are IPAs and they yeah. got like one of each other style. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They and got I, a stout. They got like a sour or like a thing. And then mm-hmm. they got like a, like a couple lagers maybe, but... The majority of it is like, oh, we got six different New Englands, and then we got a pale ale, we got two doubles. I mean, I I I feel like there was a thing going on where it was like like brews were just making strong beers, and I was I was like, I want something that I can fucking drink mm-hmm. a couple of these without blacking out. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like fucking a. Yep, definitely. I went to the brewery Thursday. I had. Well, first I went to the Chinese food place. I got two Mai Tais, a lot of food, filled my belly with food, and then I had two beers. And I was like, we got to leave or someone's going to crash the car driving home. Because it's like, it's all it takes now is four drinks for me to get drunk? Yeah. Like, good Lord. Yep. These beers are getting too strong. But what are you going to do? Session beers have definitely become like more of a staple Mm -hmm. in craft beer scene for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I like. I like those sessions. Mm-hmm. Just want to drink, man. You just want to drink. I want to enjoy my day. Yeah. yeah. You just want to drink 12, 16 beers? Yeah. I'm sweating. Can I drink 16 beers without waking up naked on my kitchen floor? <laughs> you know? My dog laying next to me? Like, what the fuck happened last night? So I had two other big styles that were prominent during this time. One being the pastry stout. Hmm. Oh, one of my favorites. <laughs> God damn it. I, I don't know. It used to be one of my yeah, favorites, but yeah. I'm kind of like growing out of... I'm growing I don't think I've really drank a lot of pastry stouts. So a pastry stout, essentially, and this is like kind of how I track the lineage of how pastry stouts came to be, is that you had these imperial stouts and these barrel-aged stouts, like these these big stouts that were kind of that were pretty popular. We talked about it in the last one, how some of the highest-rated beers were imperial stouts. But then what started to happen is you'd start to see some of these breweries that were making these imperial stouts that were using some adjuncts, you know, non-beer ingredients added to beer, like chocolate and coffee, to accentuate some of the flavors of these stouts. But then... It got out of hand. It got out of hand. (laughs) And people just started taking shit to the extreme and making these beers that were... um, uh, supposed to mimic dessert foods and pastries hence the name pastry stuff okay so you'd add a shitload of lactose which is a non-fermentable sugar to make them super sweet like a dessert then you'd add anywhere anything from like copious amounts of fruit to chocolate spices Ooh. all that delicious <laughs> stuff that you get in desserts and it's too much my, yeah my favorite of all time and Southern Tier was big for this because they had a few pastry Southern beers. Southern Tier made some strong fucking beers. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All, all those pastry beers are like 10, 8, yeah. 9, 10%. Yeah. But Creme Brulee, man, from Southern Tier yeah. is still one of my favorite go-to <laughs> pastry <laughs> beers. Yeah. I haven't had one of those in so long. <sighs> it is so delightful. It's, it's a dessert beer, man. You have yeah. a meal. And then you end your meal. You finish your meal. And then you yeah. have a dessert beer. Yeah. And it... 
it really kind of like fits it all in, man. Mm-hmm. Damn. Like my my I don't know my drinking is for a purpose, and I'm like I'm not like trying to get loaded. What's the purpose? I mean, like if I I would never drink a beer if I'm only having one. It sounds bad, but like if I'm like having a meal maybe i'll have like a beer with it or something never at my house i'll never you never find me drinking like a single beer after work with like a meal really never wow like the only that's time like, I'm, that's like my life the only time i'm <laughs> drinking beer is like it's fucking friday let's get after it i'm drinking beers like i'm not gonna have one beer and call it quits okay so I don't drink yeah, yeah, yeah. unless, you know, I'm drinking. Okay, okay. So, like, to have that pastry beer after a meal, yeah. unless it's like, all right, and then we're going to the club. <laughs> and then I wouldn't want that beer in no, me while yeah, I'm at yeah, the club, yeah. you know? Because those beers get high up in the calories, dude. Yeah, they're yeah. heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's another thing. Like, they're so big inside me, you know, I can't take yeah. all that meat, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You gotta, like, you gotta, you get used to it, man. Yeah. So the next style I'm going to bring in. Hold on, before we do that, because there's these beers in front of me and I'm thirsty. So. Okay. Do you want some of this? Do you want I kind of took the whole thing. Do you want to split? Because I want some cone and I also want the happy little pail. Yeah, we can split them. You want to split? split yeah, yeah. What do you want to start with? Um, go. Yeah, start. Uh, maybe the happy little pail. Yeah, okay. Let's do that first. So the next style that we're going with is uh, kettle sours. Kettle sours. Kettle sours, and and they in in the industry they're known more as kettle sours, I think, than maybe in the populace, you know. But um, essentially, what a kettle sour is is a it's a sour beer, okay, that's made in a quicker manner than a traditional sour beer, and it's also made in a more sanitary way um, because. In a brewery, introducing sour bugs into your brewery can be a dangerous game because now you can potentially infect other beers in your brewery and now you have a problem. Yeah. Um, so the way the kettle sour is made is you have your beer, like you do your first process, which is your, your mash, and then you extract your wort from your mash and now it's in your kettle mm-hmm. where it's going to be boiled, where you add the hops, all that shit, whatever. But instead of, instead of, well, you you can't, you can boil it first, or Let you can, cool. or you cannot boil it. But you boil it and then you cool it down, yeah, uh, to somewhere around a hundred degrees, depending on the strain of sour bug you're using. But in your kettle still, so you'd have your, you, you boil it. Now you have a clean slate of fresh wort that it ha- has no yeast or bacteria in it, because there is naturally occurring bacteria in grain. That's why you. That's one of the reasons why you boil your wort to sterilize it. So you sterilize it, then you cool it down to your, the temperature. Then you put, you intentionally put sour bacteria into your wort in your kettle. You leave it there for anywhere from a day to a couple of days. And that sour bacteria that you add to your kettle will create lactic acid, which, which in turn makes your beer sour. Then while it's still in your kettle, you boil it to kill all that bacteria. So now when you take that beer and you send it into your tank, you're not risking infecting any of your other equipment with that sour bacteria because it was only in that kettle and then it was killed in that kettle. 
Do you ever like taste the beer in mid process? Oh yeah, at, at a, a lot of the different points of the process. Okay, like you you can taste your wart. You can you're not going to taste it when it's hot, <laughs> but then Ooh, you, know, you, can, you can taste it after you cool it down. Um, I'm I'm not really a huge fan of the way wart tastes, but you can get kind of an idea of like what your beer is going to taste like by yeah. sampling your wart. Um, and then you can, you know, you can taste it during fermentation and stuff like that. Just see how it's going. See if you have any weird stuff going on or anything like that. But so any modern sours on the market right now are probably using that process. If, if you're, if you're getting a sour beer in a can or in a bottle, uh, or, or like a, probably not a bottle uh, anymore, but if you're getting a sour beer in a can, Chances it's probably are. a kettle sour. Okay. okay, and that's going to be your Berliner Weisses, your Gosas, like all those beers. They're probably made using the kettle sour process. And Flemishes are sours, right? Yes, but that's like a traditional. That's traditional. Yeah, okay. so th- there's a hint, and even like a Berliner Weiss and a Gosa, those are traditional styles and stuff too. But um, they're they're soured slightly differently than they were traditionally. Um, Traditionally, you're going to your souring process is going to be much longer because you're it's it's a it's a different thing, and you're intentionally pitching your sour bugs into your fermenters and stuff rather than pitching it into the kettle where you right. can kill it, or you're maturing in barrels and all this stuff. It's 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 a whole other story. So it's more of a refined process to make sure that you're you're keeping your equipment and the integrity of your brewing process. Yes, without that, risking that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, that's that's part of it too. Low risk, high reward. And you're 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 now in those other in in the other methods of doing sour. You're you're going to get some different flavors and some different things. So like some people like you know traditional sours. It's a um, done that way because of the flavors that you get out of it. But essentially for the kettle sour process, you're just, you're doing it quick and you're creating that sour flavor. And, and not only like similar to the pastry stouts, all these sour beers got, you know, inundated with fruit and flavorings sure. and lactose. So you get all these like different Berliner vices and ghosts that have, you know, strawberry, walnut, coconut, whatever, you know, how, mm, <laughs> walnuts. yeah. Uh, how, however you did it there and, and, and sours, it, there was like this small point where you, you saw these sour beers starting to pop up and you're like, Oh, are those going to kill the IPA? And it's like, no, no, it's no, not no. cause no. I, I'm good for one sour, but yeah. man, like doing two, three, like, I don't want to like drink that all like night. sours more than guys too. Yeah, I don't know if it's the fruited thing. I don't know if it's because it's sour. I don't know if it's some of them can be like less sugary. Some of them, you know, if they have. I like the less sugary ones. Yeah, yeah. I got a weird palate with with sweetness. I don't really like it. Yeah, I'm not a huge sweetness in my drink kind of guy. Same. Um, I like some perceived sweetness, like when you add some vanilla or you add something like that. You're not actually getting the body and the. Um, it's not as like, harsh on your taste buds. Yeah, yeah. You're just getting that flavor of sweetness. You're not getting that like I'm drinking, mm-hmm. you know, simple syrup kind of kind of deal. This beer is kind of giving me a weird, not a super sweetness, but it's like a, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I wonder if there's citra in it. <laughs> Give me something. Is there citra in it? I don't know. I don't know. Fuckers. <laughs> um, and so my, my last style here and this isn't really a style and this is just something that has become really popular um 
Uh, it, and I've, I've wrote a little blurb here, so I'm just going to read it exactly how I wrote it. In an effort to please non-beer drinkers and to also keep up with lower calorie drink trends, craft brewers got into the hard seltzer and mixed drink game. Fucking yeah. sure did. Yeah. Um, that was 2015? Or is that... Or well, we're going to we're present going, day. Anyways. Yeah, we're 20, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're. Uh, it's in the within the past couple. Like as soon as White Claw came out, everybody was like, craft breweries were like, oh, we're getting in on this too. Right, right. And yeah. it's a good thing that they did because if they didn't, a lot of I feel like a lot of places would have been fucked. I mean, it definitely helped some craft breweries' portfolios, you know, for sure. But there's not a ton of like when 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 craft breweries first started getting into it you saw like boom everybody had a hard seltzer and then there's there's been a handful of them that have kept up with it some of them throw their hat in the ring still um but there yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of hard seltzers out there now and like uh they call them rtds in the business ready to drinks so that's like your canned gin and tonic or your canned uh you know old-fashioned i've had a couple of canned gin and tonics they're Fucking gross, man. They're I, not good. I really, I don't think I've tried any yeah, of them either. Yeah. Like, it's a novel idea. I like the idea, but like. It, you crack it, you're ready to go. You don't have to make it yourself. Yeah, but there's but, something about having that, you know, the whatever gin you dis, you want. Because not all gin's the same either. Because they, they're all going to have different flavor profiles. Mm-hmm. And they're probably using a cheap fucking gin. Oh, when they for make those sure. Drinks. I'm yeah, I think it depends shit. on like the brewery. You know, you've got your 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 dogfishes that have a distillery component to their brewery. That's they true. make their own gin. They're probably do using they have their, own, their gin. own RTD? They do. Yeah, I mean, you can get they them. Do? At, yeah, you can get them in like um, grocery stores and shit. Now. Dogfish has their own. Really? Yeah. No yep. way. I didn't yep. know that. I might pick one up. Yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, they, they maybe that was gin. their fucking plan. They get the distillery, then they do the RTDs and. Yeah, I don't know, man. Just I like will fuck. say, when we went to, so me and Seth went to Hatteras this year, and um, when we had the White Claw, we had some White Claws there. You guys had some claws? Had some claws. Did and you drink a claw? I had a claw, and, okay. and I don't always go for a, I never go for a seltzer, but I had one. I'm like, man, you know. I should probably drink more of these. Oh, fuck yeah, man. I love claws. They're, they're fucking but good. But the claws are the only ones I drink. Claws oh, really? are law, man. Claws are <laughs> law. And honestly, there's only like two flavors that I drink. I'm, it's always my go-to is Mango. the black cherry. Mm-hmm. Black cherry's good. And um, if I'm like really fucking drunk and it's like the last <laughs> thing in there, I'll go after that lime. Okay, okay. But like I stay away fuck from grapefruit. The, the mango. The grapefruit is pure trash. Anytime Gina's like... Can you grab me a claw? And there's a bunch. I give her the grapefruits first because I'm like, well, there might be a time this tonight where I run out of beers and I'm going to need a claw. And if those grapefruits are in there, I'm just being like, you know what? I'm going to bed. Fuck this shit. That's fucking funny. So I give her the grapefruits first. She kind of likes them. So I'm like, well, give her those grapefruits, you know, get them out of the cooler. So I get those black cherries for myself. Black cherries are pretty damn good. I I do like the mango. They came out with a lot of new stuff. Like... When I first started buying claws, well, Gina was starting drinking claws. It was just like black cherry, lime, <sighs> fuck, uh, grapefruit, and there was like another fucking flavor. And then they came out with a whole new box, and it was like strawberry, mango, pineapple, Ooh. some mandarin. And then I think they came out with another box. It's like blueberry, fucking, I don't know, other stuff. Shit. Skin. I should, I should get into that game, man. Jesus. <laughs> 
I don't I know. Didn't, man. I didn't know that that's where this was going. That we're all going to be like, yeah, fucking Seltzer's room, man. The <laughs> one thing though that I don't like about claws. The next morning, your mouth tastes like fucking garbage. Really? Claws give well, you if this. If you brush like, your teeth, I'm sure oh, you're no, fine. No, it doesn't matter. I br- oh, I scrub my mouth and everything. Like it gives you this like cheap. I don't. I don't fucking. How though? No. It yeah, gives yeah. you this cheap malt liquory okay taste in your okay. mouth the next day. Not like a beer taste. Like yeah. Like it gives you a different like. It's like it's in your fucking lungs, dude. Oh my god! It's like when you breathe. Every time you breathe out, the alcohol like comes out into your mouth while you're sleeping. That's so you wake up the next. That's it's a different like oh like wake up. Oh, I'm hungover as fuck, and my mouth <laughs> tastes like malt. Maybe liquor. it's just you, man. I can tell the liquor, the 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 type of liquor they use in those crap in those seltzers versus like what a beer is. I don't know. I can tell right away. I'm like, I drank some claws last night. Interesting. That's very interesting. You just I've don't remember. You're like, hmm, I, I must Usually, have had some claws last when night. When I'm getting after those claws, I ran out of beer. <laughs> it's late at night, and I'm like, <laughs> like opening up the thing with like one eye, and I'm like grabbing it. <laughs> And it's like real late at night. I'm on YouTube, like watching weird shit. <laughs> and like Gina's went wet. Oh, Gina's went to she's bed like to bed an five hour. hours. Oh, ago. Yeah, yeah. Like she's already like, hey. She's like, she fell asleep, woke up, and she's like, hey. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, just a minute. I'm like, she's gonna fall asleep like two seconds, and I got at least another two hours before she. Yeah. I would love to be a fly on the wall in in, in that situation oh, in Jesus. your house, man. No, you don't. You, no, maybe totally. For the, maybe for the first five minutes. Just to see how <laughs> I don't all do that anything crazy. Out. I'm not like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not like touching. I'm just like watching <laughs> like just weird shit on YouTube, mm-hmm. like getting down these rabbit holes. Okay, okay. Drunk, drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or go. like playing weird songs and like, I got my bathrobe on. I'm looking <laughs> myself in the mirror. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. Yeah, I, I, I can no. see that. I can see that. <laughs> All right, next topic. Okay, I'm getting away from All this. All right, so just to just to go from our, okay, so the styles we talked. Yeah. New England IPAs, yep. Czech pills. Are uh, those and, and tradi- just traditional, traditional styles pills. making a comeback. Okay, yeah, that's my and then prediction. we had those pastry pastry styles, pastries, pastries, kettle sours, kettle sours, and then, you know, the seltzer, Yo, that RTD claw, trend. That claw game, I feel like there was like this weird keto trend. Well, that yeah, that so that's why I said like, and then um, it brought on those light, those light carb, low carb shit. That's what that was the first thing I said. I said in an effort to please non beer drinkers and to also keep up with the lower calorie drink trends. Yeah. Okay, that's how we. It's fucking that's, keto, boys. Yeah, Budweiser I mean, just came out with a zero carb beer. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, fucking straight zero carb. So yeah. a zero carb beer must be literally a flavored seltzer that tastes like beer, right? With like fake artificial sh- flavoring that has the beer taste, but it's just like a seltzer. Um, I don't know how they do it. It's got to. So I can't. Be I can't like really that. comment on that. Um, but so there are. One thing that I do know is that there is an enzyme that you can add to beer that will um, basically make it so you can ferment out. All, pretty much a hundred percent of your sugars, so there'll be no residual sugar, which would be then no beer, carb, which will make it extremely low or no carb. Now, would that give you a very dry yes. taste? Yes. So you would either have to back sweeten it somehow uh, with something that isn't 
Like you'd have to use like stevia or aspartame, man, aspartame or something like that. Exactly. Mm. If you wanted to have sweetness in it. Now is Budweiser the first company that did a zero carb beer? I mean, I, I whether, don't know. Whether so or not, technology whether or not they're the first, they're, you know, they're the first big one that okay. did it, you know? Yeah. Have I mean, you had it? I have not had it, no. Hmm. But okay. there's no reason to. Like, yeah, why no, would I'm, I spend not, money I'm not interested, yeah. To try that. So there's, I have no reason to not have Until carbs. we do a challenge, we do zero carb challenge. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, you can drink. <laughs> extreme keto. I got, like, all these <laughs> no carbs. I got like, all these zero. beers, man. I got zero carbs. Uh, okay. You can't have a single carb. <laughs> no carbs. All right. Sorry. Now, yeah, we're, sorry, now we're moving on to the next su- subject. Okay. Guys, um, this one uh, this one was pretty prominent during the beginning of this time period, and I think has waned a little bit, but still happening. But it's uh, big beer companies buying craft oh, beer companies. Oh, yeah. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. You think it's is, waning? I think it's waning a little bit. Um, I think... I think uh, it's just lo- more low-key now. I'm just not telling anybody. That's part. I mean, that might be under part the table of it too, deal you know? bullshit. Like yeah, yeah, we won't yeah, buy yeah. it. We're just going to give you a fuck ton of money. Yeah, and we get the proceeds, <laughs> and we won't tell a soul. Right. So um, I, I went through some of the some of the bigger ones that I could remember off the top of my head, and some that I found in research. But I broke it down into some of like the big beer brands in which ones they own. But I mean, there's a lot like I, I, if you really want to know, just go on the AB InBev Wikipedia or whatever, and you can see like all the different brands they own and so on and so forth. But some of the big ones for AB are in this, this was a big one back in 2011. I know it's before the time period, but um, since we're talking about big beer, buying craft beer, this was one of the first big ones. And that was Goose Island. Yeah. So Goose Island, which got a lot of notoriety for its Bourbon County beer. Which was huge. Which is huge. And still, I mean, it's probably you know lost a little bit of favor over the past couple of years. But even after AB InBev bought Goose Never Island, Bourbon County is still, they do the release every year on Black Friday. Oh, really? Ha- have had for years. Um, and it's like, uh, in that vein of your KBS, you know, it's an Imperial stout, it's pretty high ABV and it's aged in bourbon barrels. So it was highly rated, you know, back in the day. And even like, I, I, you know, I, um, it's a good beer, even, even though like AB owns Goose Island and everything now. And I don't know how their process works. I don't have any insight into it whatsoever, but I've had recent years of Bourbon County and, it still tastes pretty good. Like I can't, mm. you know, I, I, I don't think I ever had a, a bourbon County before AB bought them. I, I feel like the first one I had was like 2012, 2013. So like right after, but I got to imagine that it's still pretty close to what it was around that. Just time. cause big beer owns it doesn't mean it's like yeah. the process has always been compromised. It's exactly. not always the case. It's not always not the case. Always. It's like, it's so, yeah, Sometimes. But, some, but yeah, there's sure. definitely some things Blue that moon. happen. Yeah. So blue moon, I don't think ever, I looked this up and I, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think Blue Moon ever wasn't big beer. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's the illusion, James. Yeah. Dude, I'm in some yeah. sort of Matrix simulation type shit, but I oh, could have yeah. swore I was buying Blue Moon, mm-hmm. and then 
I got the news. Yeah. And I stopped buying it because of that. I, uh, yeah. I would, maybe and it was, maybe and I would you just say, found out. We'll have to maybe, we'll QC maybe. that. We'll QC Blue Moon. Um, so another one, uh, another big one from AB um, 2015 was Elysian. That space dust beer yeah. that you'll see all over the place. First time I ever had Elysian was mm-hmm. at Hatteras OBX. I went to that weird gas station and I yeah. bought it. Yep. And I was like, I got this weird alien beer, guys. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. You're like, oh, yeah, it's fucking beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've all heard about it, but you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, okay. Um, next one, 2017. I remember when this happened. Uh, Wicked Weed was bought by AB. and I never knew that. They're out of Asheville, North Carolina. They were a really popular brewery uh, down there. Sours, right? And they, they make stuff other than sours, yeah. but they are most known for their sour beers, like making some of the best sour beer uh, in the area, definitely. And, um, you know, they have this whole thing down there, the Funkatorium or whatever. It's all their sour stuff. Did their, were they the ones where their quality kind of tanked after they were bought out? Uh, I'm really, not, I'm not too, I've had some Wicked Weed beers before and after AB, but I was never like hardcore in them. I didn't follow them like down to a T. So okay. I'm not, that's fair. I'm not, I'm not so sure on that. Um, the next one I got here, so Constellation Brands. This one was huge. This is maybe What's a like, Constellation brand? That that's the name of the company. Okay. Constellation Brands like owns Corona and shit. Okay. Oh, so it's like not A B and It's not AB. This is another big another big one, yeah. So okay. they're called Constellation Brands. They bought in twenty fifteen Ballast Point. That was a good famous bit. for your sculpin. Yeah. Uh, for $1 billion. Holy Dude, shit. No fucking way. Yeah. They had this fucking beer. It was like a mango. Was it, it mango habanero sculpin? Yeah. It was like a mango. <laughs> or pineapple sculpin. <laughs> it was like a mango, it, but it was a fish. It was, they had but their. Yeah, the sculpin line was. Well, the, there were some other beers that were named after fish as well. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. They had a fish one and it was like fucking like 14%. Okay. And it was delicious. That and probably I was, wasn't sculpted. And I yeah. was I was like, damn. I'm like, damn. This is my, I remember exactly where I was. I was at my buddy's graduation party, graduated college. And one of my other good friends who loves giving me like craft beer, he's like, yo, have you tried this? Have you tried this? He gave me a sip of that. I was like, damn. And he's like, guess how strong that is. And I'm like, I don't know, like 7%. He's like, she's 14%. I was like, damn, that's just delicious. <laughs> I'm like, don't give me one of those old blackouts in here. <laughs> And I could never find it. Like after that, he was always like, I was like, what was that? Like every like six months, I'm like, hey, you remember that beer you gave me? Like, I was like, what was that? And he's like, blah, blah, blah. Like it was like monkfish or something crazy mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn. Like what's the dude with the fucking thing on his head? That fish? The little lantern on his head? Lant- oh, I think yeah. it was like that fish. Okay. I don't know. I could it ask about it for I you. think it was a mango-y thing. Um, Either way, though, dude, I would sell out for a billion dollars. Yeah, man. Fuck it. Dude, what a, that dude. would be like when I, if I ever start a brewery. It'd be like, we announce, like, we get our crew, like, hey, guys, I'm really excited to have you guys all join my brewery. Let's, like, keep it, like, let's keep it good. We're going to fucking get everything smooth. I'm really excited for everything. But our main goal, let AB InBev buy us. <laughs> that's the mission statement. Like, yeah, that's yeah. the mission statement. Like, <laughs> we're sellouts. Like, yeah. as soon as they oh, offer, yeah. we're fucking yeah. selling. Dude, a billion dollars to a company, a brewery. Yeah, no, I know. It doesn't make any sense. And that you one, don't see their shit anywhere anymore. So he, so here's the thing. Um, and I, so um, that's true. You don't really see them. Like they, I see, like sometimes I see after, a four pack after they were bought out. 
you saw them everywhere. Yeah, they had like oh, five yeah. or six different and kinds then of beers. It disappeared. Yeah. In 2019, it so apparently they they dropped so much off the map after that nationally anyway. That in 2019, a Chicago-based brewery called Kings and Convicts, which I've never heard of, bought Ballast Point for an undisclosed amount. It's got to be more than a billion, right? Well, no, no they probably fucking no, no, way. It's way oh, less yeah, than no, a billion. It's, be, right, it's right, probably right. so embarrassingly low. Exactly. Yeah. And they're like yeah. undisclosed. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, like, oh, yeah, we'll buy it for like $300,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so, Dude, a billion dollars. So oh, that means yeah. that you no, sold that at the perfect like time, right? Bullshit for one bullshit brewery. That yeah. was huge. It they, was they yeah. It was big. It was it was big. They had the whole fish thing. No, it was good beer. It was good marketing. But um, you know, like constant yeah, that like a billion. And A B in it were probably like, let's just scoop as many as we can. Well let's it make wasn't A B, it was it was constellation. constellation. Oh yeah, right, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The next one you're gonna say is gonna make me sad. Um, so in 2015, Heineken. Oh God, no! Bought Lagunitas. I, bought 50 percent of Lagunitas, actually. Okay. And then in 2017, they bought the rest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's not the one I was thinking of. Okay. Lagunitas okay. for Justin. He Still loves chat- Lagunitas. Well, I I went to Lagunitas when I was out in Cali. Yeah. Um, before they got bought out, and yeah. I used to be all about them. Yeah. But once I heard they got bought out, I don't know if it was like psychological or what, mm-hmm. but I was just like, I'm kind of done with that. I think they kind of, like their beer was like it was pretty good. Um, I used to buy Lagunitas like back. In, it was one of those brands where you could find them pretty easily, like yeah. in the early you could days trust of them. craft. You're like, okay. like, were like, oh, it's an old reliable. Like I, yeah. I can I can get a six pack of Lagunitas. It's probably gonna be pretty good. I feel like a weird story for every one of these beers you mentioned but i was in <laughs> california at i was at i think it was like pismo beach area which is kind of like it was like it's near the i've been there right yeah. near the ocean but it's like kind of spanishy yeah yeah it's yeah. like real like yeah so i go to this random store i'm like i need beer i go in this store and it no one speaks english everyone speaks spanish so i can't ask them where the beer is so i'm starting going up and down there finally find like this small section of beer and all they have is like the worst beer. It's like fucking it's, shock top. No, no, no. It's like <laughs> natural ice. Oh, okay, like it's okay. like oh, I'm like oh, I'm like I don't even want to drink if I have to choose. And like and then there's like one beer. It's like Lagunitas. I'm like I've never heard of Lagunitas, but I'm I, I'm but, gonna roll the dice yeah, and buy yeah, it because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like. I know that Natty Ice is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Steel Reserve's disgusting. Like yeah. then they had a bunch of forties. I'm like, I don't want any of this. Yeah. So I pick up Lagunitas there. And that was it. I mean, I was like, Uno, six pack C's, thank you. <laughs> and then yeah, I bought it and I drank it. And that was it. All right. It wasn't right. bad. I don't remember even remember what it tastes like. Yeah. It tastes like beer probably. Alright. All right. Hey, what, what else what, did Heineken what, buy? What 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 did you think I was gonna say? Oh magic hat. My sweet Magic Cat. Yeah, uh, Magic Cat was bought by... uh, Number six? Number nine. Number nine? That's the only beer I've ever had from them. Oh, man. Dude, they're Elderberry. They're Elderberry... uh, Fuck, what's that style? Is it just a wheat? Yeah, Elderberry. Elder Betty? Elder Betty, yes. Oh, man. It was one of my favorites. beer with Elderberry. Still, Still to this day, one of my, like, spring summery favorites. Yeah, Lagunitas. I mean, not Lagunitas. I only thought it was six every time I drink it. Magic Cat was a good standby. Um, Back when I was mobile canning, I got to can some beer for Magic Cat before they got a canning line. 
they before had they like were a, bought before they were bought too or uh i think it was actually after they were bought but now they like they don't even exist um they're uh they're just a brand now like they don't actually the physical brewery no longer exists yeah they had that cool funhouse kind of like brewery right? yeah yeah they it was a cool place to go to um this doesn't even exist so the building is there but it was bought by zero gravity uh in vermont burlington vermont oh so they weren't burnt bought off by heineken they weren't bought by heineken it was somebody else uh i have and then someone else bought them zero gravity bought them after that no 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 they just bought the building oh okay okay yeah so they basically magic hat became defunct and it's only a you can still go get number nines yeah yeah but that but they're brewed out of new york now um and basically that's the only thing that you can get from magic hat because it's it's literally just a brand now Whereas back in the day, they were producing a bunch of different beers. They had so they sold their shit and then they skipped out. They um, left. Yeah, so they the original owners, founders sold them, and then they still existed. The brewery still existed. There was it was still there in Burlington, Vermont. You could go visit it. I did and everything a couple times, and uh, then eventually the the it, they just went out of business. The owner, whoever the new owners were, decided to you know shut it down and then just keep number nines rolling because that was their most popular brand i mean most of their stuff wanna, wasn't how does, good how does that shit work like say we have a brewer right yeah ab Invit comes in we'll give you a billion dollars your beer brewery we're like yeah we'll sign here yeah and then what so it depends on the agreement that you make like they could just buy everything they buy everything outright they could just shut you down destroy it kill the brand destroy it that's it and like that's their main maybe that's their goal like we're it, or, or they could just keep it going because now they have a more diverse portfolio or they buy your brewery they shut it down they take your recipes and your branding they built they brew them at their bigger facilities and then they put you that branding that they also bought off of them and now the physical brewery that originally was at doesn't exist anymore sometimes they keep the old breweries open and keep them going i wonder if they have like, like goose island i wonder if they have a stipulation too where like you can't brew beer for like 10 years or something uh there there are certain deals like that where it's like you you either can't brew or you can't or you obviously you can't do, you might not be able to do something similar there it yeah i'm sure it's like a case-by-case basis or whatever oh, the biggest one not. though let's get to the biggest one is that uh, is that next i don't or is know there more i don't know what's what's the bit what, what do you think the biggest, the biggest one, is? one is the whole dogfish right okay, right, that, right right so right. That, that's the first thing that i thought all right of. this was the last one that i was gonna i had because there's a lot and i didn't want this to be like i said we're scratching the surface along sure. of these um but my the last thing i had was the boston beer company slash dogfish head quote merger right yeah uh which it, <clears throat> it kind it it kind of is a merger, but it's an acquisition, you know. Um, so in 2019, Boston Beer merges slash acquires Dogfish for 300 million. Now it's a good payout. Dogfish founder Sam Calgione, or I think I don't know how to pronounce Calgione. Cal- Cal- how, whatever how it's pronounced. Uh, he still owns a large stake in the company. Yeah, he's on the board of directors. Isn't it, he? Exactly. So it's not like this isn't one of the ones where they're bought out and then the guy's like peace i got my payout you know <laughs> right. he's still have he's like still involved with dogfish he's, and he even owns a big part of the company uh him and his wife so it's like 
Uh, that one is like a little bit different than some of these yeah. other ones. And Boston Beer Company is also like they're a big brand, but they're also kind of craft. You know, they're they're not like one of the like the other ones I was talking about, like AB InBev, Constellation, Heineken. They're huge worldwide. Yeah, global. Like they're, they're some of the biggest in in the fucking world. And Boston Beers, no, like they're no slouch. They're a big company, but they're not like in the top fifty breweries in the world you know what's weird is that jim 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 cook cook yeah is there a brewery a sam adams brewery there's multiple there is i've never been to a single one is it in boston there is one in boston there is yeah yeah. and i you know what i also i never see sam adams beer really at the store the only thing i see now is the are you sure is the hazy that's all or the light that's all I see. I mean, there's no, so similar to like we were talking about Dogfish back in the day where you could go to yeah, any store true. and get like 12 different brands. Back in the day, especially in this area. There used to be like a whole fridge of Sam Adams. There was Adams. like a fridge of Sam Adams I remember Adams that beer. cherry wheat they had. <laughs> Everybody remembers <laughs> the cherry wheat. <laughs> it was fucking tasty. Yeah. That's why I said. I wasn't a big fan of the cherry yeah, wheat. Yeah, no, not really. That's the only one I could to- tolerate as, oh, a, as a 16, 17-year-old. They had that... They had that one uh, that was in their like fall mix pack. I, you've you've got to remember the like the Ro- Rochefort style, where it was like kind of like it tasted like burnt cedar. Oh, weird. Oh um, no, you're you're talking about um, like a ra- it was like a Roush beer. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was like campfire <sighs> ash. At least I never. Yeah, campfire ash. That's a good way of describing it. I never had a Did smoked like beer. No, fuck no. Because there, there's there, um, I'm not a huge fan of smoked beer, like Roush beer and stuff. Right. But I do appreciate like a a good one, and I'll have a pint of like a a, a well made smoked beer. But I've had some. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. They do exist. They do exist. But, Outside of Sam Adams. But my first experience with any smoked beer was that Sam Adams yeah, one. Yeah. And I like it'd be interesting for me to taste that beer now with like my current palate. Sure. Um it's really hard to kind of put myself back because at that time when I had that beer, I still that was like, still early. It was very early on. And like the our craft beer ex- exploration. But my memory of it, though, is so much more harsh than the other smoked beers that I've had. Okay. Um, and it very it very well could have been that harsh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it's it's interesting. But so so Boston. Boston Beer Company is like the parent company that owns Sam Adams. Know, Sam Adams and Dogfish and all I think we've talked about some of the other ones too that they own. They own quite a bit of different um brands of like all different types too, like cider and other hard alcohol, seltzer okay. stuff. Now is know. Jim Cook like one of the big big wigs in that in oh, Boston yeah. Beer yeah. Company. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a billion. So he's the founder of Sam Adams, yes. but he's now but like. He, but so Sam Adams and Boston Beer were founded. It was like one and the same. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because Boston Beer Company was like the main one, and Sam Adams was a brand. That was okay. like the beer, the beer brand. Yeah. All right. So the next uh, topic we have here, um, and this is a big one. Uh, it's uh, breweries during the COVID nineteen pandemic. I don't even remember what oh. what were you guys doing then? Because you can't go out, right? What were we doing? So so here's um, 
you know, an overview of some of the ways that breweries had to adapt during that time. Mm, um, okay. I know where we're going. So in, um, in general, uh, to give you an idea of where craft breweries were at right before, 2019 was the largest uh, production from craft beer in the U.S. up until that date. Okay. So craft beer had been on Ever. Ever. Okay. In yeah. history. In history. Even even before Prohibition? <laughs> even before Prohibition. What? Craft beer had hit its peak in 2019, um, which was just over 25 million barrels of beer produced. And then in 2020, during the pandemic, it dipped down to around 20 million barrels. So, I mean, that's a lot, 20%. That's, that's pretty significant 20%. percentage that it, that it went down. Yeah. Um, so some breweries were forced to shut down during the pandemic for various reasons. But interestingly enough, more breweries still opened up overall in 2020, which, is, which is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Pretty wild. Uh, one of the big things that happened um, was keg sales basically disappeared because sure. bars were shut down for the most part uh. you couldn't go to breweries to drink beers tap rooms were shut down so keg sales plummeted there was like uh, all the you know a handful of breweries were trying to figure out what to do with all the old keg beer some of them like distilled it and made it into hand sanitizer, all this kind of stuff. There was Man. all this crazy shit that was happening. I remember all the hand sanitizer coming up. I'd be like, what is it? You could almost be like, what kind of hand sanitizer liquor is this from? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, this smells like tequila. This smells like <laughs> fucking vodka. So, um, yeah. And because draft sales and keg, keg sales were pretty much gone, packaged beer, cans. So another uptick in your can sales because – you know, you got to think of these small breweries. They have all these kegs and they're like, okay, what are like, we need to sell this beer. We need to try and keep our brands alive. What do we do? Well, we can pump them back into our tanks and we can put them into cans. So mobile canning was huge at this time because there were all these small breweries that were like, we need to pack because beer goes bad. Yeah. So they're like, holy shit, we need to sell this stuff. We need mobile canning here right now. And in some cases, I know that people are canning off of kegs, which is typically a no-no. Like that's, it's tricky. It's tricky to do. Um, But they're like, yeah, no, we need to sell this stuff. We need to get it in cans because we have all this money tied up in kegs that there's nothing we can do with it. I remember too, like at the time it was so crazy that because bars and stuff weren't open, like you could go and buy growlers. Like from bars, damn. Like like I don't yeah, like I don't bars. Like it was it was insane. And like, um, you know, other things obviously that happened. You had craft breweries that were, uh, you know, they had tap rooms or they had restaurants or whatever. They're closed down. So now you get just like all all these other businesses. You had curbside pickup, you know, and so many breweries had to ad- adapt to these um, online like. Uh, you know, point of sale, which I like systems. I like, which that. is great that you can, in <clears throat> it, it, it streamlines some of these hype breweries, like, you know, your tree houses and so on before you would have to go there and you'd have to wait in line. And then when you got to the end of the line, you'd be like, I want 
this x x x you know all this stuff and then the guy would do, you know go and do the thing whatever now you could s- literally sit on your ass in your home wake up when everything goes up for sale be like i want three four packs of this one of this one of that and then you show up to the brewery and you just pick it up like number 47 you're not sitting in lines you're whatever you're just rolling on up and getting it and they also like kept it up to date so you knew exactly what they were offering yeah so like which is very helpful so you don't have to make the trip up Mm -hmm. to the brewery and now some you know some breweries still have these uh even though most things are opened up now pretty much i you know i'd say if you're in business you're opened up and you're they they still have these systems in place so you can if you just want to order beer ahead you'd be like yeah you just put in your order, show up to the brewery, and then you know pick it up. Yeah. You know? Which I think I think that was a good that was like adapting those systems, especially to some of those breweries that were just like a shit show to go to. It made it it made it sure that you were going to get your stuff if you yeah. went because you could roll up to a brewery, stand in a line, you get to the end of it, and you're like, "No, we're all out of that one. We're all out of that one. We're all out of that one." And you're just like, "I came all the way here yeah. for this stuff," right. you know. <laughs> Now, isn't there, wasn't there a time during this where, well, at least during the pandemic, where there was like a can shortage in the craft beer community? Uh, there, there's a little bit of that, um, but and that's just like that's supply chain stuff. But even um, multiple times throughout the course of, uh, you know, my my tenure in this industry there's been canned shortages okay and it's just something that happens depending on if certain plants shut down or all of a sudden um a lot of what drives that is like soda in big beer because these same cans like energy drinks come in 16 ounce cans mm. like so you got to think like your your coca-colas your pepsis your your monsters like all these giant companies that put cans out globally they're just like Oh yeah, we're buying way more cans than craft breweries are, and they have like, deals where like and they, they come oh, first. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely, definitely. So you're like, oh shit, there's an energy drink shortage can. Looks like we're not putting our beer in 16 ounces, or mm. we got to wait, or we got to try and buy some from some other breweries. Damn. You got to find alternate suppliers. Um, there's been a couple stretches over the past couple of years where we've we've been uh, at our brewery, we've had to buy um, buy cans like from China and shit. You know, it's crazy. Mm. Damn. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder why they haven't like revamped the can. Like, I want. I want a can where like it's got like little imprints in it, where like my fingers can fit in it. Like it's got like a little round dollop, like where my thumb goes, a couple dollops here, so it's like a fingerprint. I just grab it and it fits in my hand better. You know. Or or I, th- I think that's stupid. Or what about this? What about a can with a little fucking Stein handle on it, so I can drink it. But it's got a little handle instead, so I don't have to wrap my hands around this fucking tube like I'm gay or something. <laughs> that's <laughs> what? That's like I'm grabbing a cat, <laughs> but like a Stein little handle, huh? How's that? Wait, whoa. That's, Just, a, that's a manufacturing nightmare. Yeah. Right? yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> but it's for the consumer. And like, to, to put that into packaging, into boxes, like the wasted space to try to fit oh, a yeah. Stein handle, so you don't have to feel like you're quote grabbing a cack <laughs> listen like, justin i'm not gay <laughs> what about oh boy what about a seal so i'm i'm you know what i can't drink like this a, like a pickle jar i can't drink this whole 16 ounce beer you know i'm full sure I'm getting a little drunk i want to bring it home you know 
So I just I can just twist it and it click click and it seals it back up. And then I and then it also has a little CO two cartridge. <laughs> okay, keep it okay. carbonated. You okay, know. Now you're just getting out of hand. What about they what about make, this? They, they do make resealable lids though. Okay, resealable lid, and it all it has is the little attachment. You can buy. You can just buy like a lighter, a little CO two thing. And you just give it a quick charge, and then you're good. It still has enough air. Who the hell is not finishing their can of beer, dude? Listen, <laughs> it doesn't matter who doesn't finish it. Everyone's gonna want it. And if your beer's getting flat, and you're like, oh, fucking it, close it up, give it a quick, make it fresh again. See, see, to answer your finger groove can, yep. yeah, yeah, I would just make a metal koozie yep. with the finger grooves in oh, it totally. automatically. Ooh, yeah, there yeah. You go. That's a good idea. Because that way, I mean. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Why don't they have that shit? Uh, we can make they that right might. now. This they is all future. So now we're going to do future of beer. Okay, so the last uh, the last section that I have here is the current state of breweries, and uh, and then tra- you know, our thoughts on trends and, and you know the future and all that stuff. I know so, the future. Um, so, like I said, in in twenty nineteen, craft beer was at its peak in the U.S. Twenty twenty, it dipped down, and then in twenty twenty one, it it's almost back to pre pandemic levels. Um. So where we're at now in 2021, there are 9,247 breweries in the U.S. That's fucking which is almost crazy. almost double from where we left off at the end of the last episode. Yeah, right. Because it was like four to it, six. It was thousand, in the four thousand. Right? Was that like what yeah. is like 150 per state? It's crazy. Um, it's it's wild. So overall, beer, beer like all beer, not just craft beer. Beer is up one percent, but craft beer is up seven point nine percent. The top five breweries in the world for production are AB InBev, Heineken, Carlsberg. China Resources Snow Breweries. <laughs> they changed their name from last time, where it was China Resource Enterprises. Mm. <laughs> it's now China Resources Jesus. Snow Breweries. Jesus. And then number five is Molson Coors. Well, you know why they changed it? Because they actually bought Snow Clam Chowder, and they had to <laughs> combine the names. So um, AB, just to give you kind of a, a scale of how big those breweries are, AB InBev produces over 400 million hectoliters of beer a year, okay? Heineken is about half that. And then the next three are all about half the size of Heineken. It's about 100 hectoliters. It, it, give or take, yeah. Million, 100 million. 100 million, yeah. Which is a, what is which is a shitload. What's Carlsberg? They're another one of those big breweries that just owns a shitload of breweries and stuff. Damn. Yeah. More popular in Europe and in, in the like. Yeah, do they have say. their own beer, like Carlsberg? Carlsberg? I believe beer. so. Yeah, believe yeah, so. right. Yeah, okay. That's crazy, man. All that shit's crazy. Yeah. So what? What do you? What do you guys think is uh, the next is thing? Com- I mean, it, yeah, for like craft beer and I mean any beer trends. Is there anything you think like? I think I think um, I think those like Yeti style koozies are gonna be going up in sales. I think I think camping and hiking is naturally more popular. Being outside is more popular than it was during COVID. People want to be out more. So more people are going to buy those koozies and those coasters. I think there's going to be some sort of 
um, transition towards um, renewable resources with those koozies. So maybe like a solar panel on it where you can charge your fucking phone inside of it. A couple additions, maybe like a little cap on it right so like picture your beer in one of those fucking metal koozies but now it's now it's got a threaded head so you can thread a cap on it and you get one of those little co2 tanks and you can <laughs> you can recarbonate your spear that you haven't finished all day or it'll plug into that stein glass handle right yeah, yeah dude yeah. a little a high neodymium magnets are a huge thing right now china's monopolizing the shit out of those magnets but that's a whole nother topic but dude magnetic connectable um, things for those. That's a good idea. That click. Oh, you want a handle? Click, and it's so strong that you gotta like rip that shit off. Oh yeah. Or like, you want a cap? Click that why, caps why right on the top. Why are we going into manufacturing right now? And then boom. Yeah. So is your beer? You have you've been kayaking all fucking day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that koozie keeps it cold for a long time, but not for eight hours in the sun. So there's a little solar panel when it's in the sun, and then. That that energy converts into cooling energy, and it keeps it even colder. But if it's not cold, you can be USB, and it charges your phone inside that. Wait, but yeah, but why aren't you finishing your beer in eight you're hours? Pussy. Dude, have you seen the pussification of America these days? So everyone is getting soft. I mean, I'm getting soft right now. So essentially what you're saying is that uh, beer has reached its peak and now uh, we're basically just going to be... Accessories. Accessories for your beer. Accessories. It's going to be about beer accessories. Okay, okay. I do like the charging your phone out while you're camping battery in your fucking koozie, solar panel siding, and then magnetize like yeah excess hey maybe a bottle cap opener come on yeti get on that shit i do like the magnetized uh they'll they'll hear handle. this dude yeah it's a simulation bro. yeah 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 although all those little imprinted grippies i like that too i like i like the little thumb grip right there ham what do you got what do you think uh, i'm just gonna go back to the beginning i think there is something to these the use of terpenes in yeah in in crafting the next wave of recipes mm-hmm. and the use of like again it, it can bring about all kinds of different flavors like i was thinking about this today i feel like there's been some smaller waves of new styles like you know using like the um you know the dessert lactose like for a couple years ago like you could find like vanilla shake and strawberry shake and all these like shake style beers with mm-hmm. lactose mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that seems to kind of like have kind of simmered down um <clears throat> but there's only so much you could do yeah i think i mean i don't fucking yeah. know but it seems like there's only so much you can do and in order to bring about more customization terpenes could pave that way yeah yeah, I have another theory. Alcohol. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Alcohol is going to be just like cigarettes. And it's going to be like one of those disgusting things that everyone did back in the day where like they're going to they're going to, you know what? They're going to start making alcohol look like the next tobacco. And there's just going to be a war on alcohol and then not a prohibition but there's going to be a lot of bars that are going to ban alcohol a lot of they're going to they're not going to do it right at the bars they're going to start it off on airplanes no alcohol on airplanes well, why would a bar ban alcohol why does a bar ban cigarettes yeah, but the bar's yeah. bread and butter is their money their income is from alcohol yeah it's not like you were going to a cigarette bar i mean right. maybe the bars would be like you know what it's not 
it's not about drinking at bars. It's about you know hanging out with your friends, enjoying the t- good times, playing some pool, like the, uh, listen like, to music. Okay. You don't have to smoke cigarettes while you're drinking. You know what? You don't have to drink at a bar. So, so they're I, gonna. I, I do think there's something to what James is saying. I think I, I would not be surprised if you saw in the next couple of generations a tick back in alcohol consumption in general. And a tick up in marijuana consumption. And heroin too. <laughs> <laughs> so my 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 thought in general, and I'll speak just specifically to the craft beer industry. Is, you don't want to talk about the heroin industry? Um, it's uh, too good. Uh, uh, you don't want to fuck well, with big heroin. No, no, no. It's, big, it, big heroin. I, I think it's big fentanyl right now, but <laughs> that's that's another story. Uh, yeah, I think in for craft beer, kind of what I was talking about in our in the style section of this episode was, uh, I think we're gonna see a little bit of a resurgence in some of those traditional styles. I th- mm. I think, um, and that's not just because I'd like to see it. I just think that, um, and I could be completely wrong about this, but I think we've reached the peak of the New England IPA, and something else is going to have to take its place. And I feel like, like craft brewers in general, a lot of them do favor some of those traditional styles. So whether or not the the public and the consumer takes to them i feel like you're going to start to see and and i I think this is already happening brewers sneaking some of those traditional styles into their portfolios and then i'll maybe branding them in a different way to be more approachable to the consumer sure but it's almost like um like a white privilege it's almost like like what uh, Stevie Lee was saying with like fashion, yeah, yeah how it yeah. kind of comes in and out, in, cycles. in and out in cycles. Yep. Maybe that is the next cycle is yeah. bringing back those traditional yeah. beers. Yeah. Yep. But um, we'll see. Yeah, uh, like I said, there's some other topics and things that we could have gone into because a, a lot's happened in the craft beer world. But there's uh, it's just too much to fit in an episode of our. Our little podcast. You have to here. come back on episode 200 where we do the future of beer. Yeah. 100, that's three years from now, right? Probably. Yeah. yeah. We'll cover everything that we left out of everything. Maybe our future podcast, maybe our future predictions of beer will come true. Maybe. Maybe. Three years from now. Gentlemen, to the right. final oh, history no. of beer episode. Yes. Cheers. All right. Cheers. James, so I just pulled up this article that talks about uh, handles on beer. Yeah, koozies. Yeah, they exist. I'm. I'm. It was like just like five minutes ago that they popped up. Yeah. No bullshit, dude. (laughs) Dude, like what? 
It's a simulation. They're listening. They're definitely listening. They're literally producing the products as my voice speaks no, the products they, out. They really are. Yeah. It's bullshit. It, it's and super dude, your bullshit. whole world's a fraud, man. I think just let me know what you're going to think of next so I can invest in it before. How can I let you know without them not knowing? Uh, maybe if you write it on a piece of paper. They crumple There's it up. cameras everywhere. This is a Truman Show, man. Ah, Jesus Christ. We have to learn our own language. Okay. Without communicating. All right. Our own language. Yeah, we need to be able to monetize this somehow. Cause Just we sure do like aren't... a... I heard if you do like an avatar thing where you like plug in, you can kind of like communicate internally. Oh, so if yeah, you, yeah, are, yeah, if you yeah. stuff your wiener into his butt... <laughs> Like I'm, listening. Avatar, I'm listening. Then you should be able to feel each other's senses. Like Braille. <laughs> yes. You can yes. feel you those have nubs. That, that, that herpy Braille dick. Ass Braille, guys. That's, Ass that's Braille. Braille. That's Braille. Ten history of beers. Ass Braille. And Ass this Braille. is how we're closing it out. <laughs> Makes <Braille>. sense. <laughs> that's a Thirst for Knowledge podcast in a nutshell, ladies yes, and gentlemen. Hmm. All right. So um, QC, Ham, you got any good news for me? Uh, yes, so the only thing we're going to, well, I'm going to QC is the Blue Moon beer. Whether or not it was originally a it's standalone brewery or part of Big Beer. And the answer is, Seth, you are correct. It was, in fact, part of Big Beer. It was yep. never its own standalone brewery. It was actually developed um, uh, by uh, Molson Coors Brewing Company. And uh, it was Blue Moon Brewing Company is an entity of 10th and Blake Beer Company, which is the craft division of Miller Coors. Yep. Damn. Which is pretty wild. I mean, in, in those early days of craft beer becoming popular, some of those bigger craft breweries did do a good job of like hiding throwing it. these brands on the yeah. shelf and kind of hiding it. Um, Not Red Hook, though. We saw right through that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so like... Um, uh, yeah, I remember like you know seeing Blue Moon and like Line and Kugel and that kind of stuff and Ugh. and being like, oh that I mean that's craft beer, right? Like it's in the craft beer section. Did a good job, of the cooler and all that yeah. stuff. And now like you you won't see like Blue Moon. It, like it's weird. There's like this other section of coolers in in most like beer stores where it's like. It's big beer, like it's big craft. beer masquerading as craft beer, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. have like next to it, you have the actual craft beer stuff. It's pretty. It's pretty neat, but. Yeah, um, I I am not QCing anything I said because it's all true. And if you want to dispute it, send me an email. <laughs> Meet me at this parking lot. We'll fight about it. <laughs> um, James, what, what do we got? I mean, I think all the fucking great listeners of this show know what they have to do. They need to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Check it out on Facebook. Check it us out on motherfucking Twitter, Instagram, all that shit. Follow us, rate us, and review our podcast. Want to big give a good shout out to all our listeners. Thanks for listening, guys. See you later. Bye. Goodbye. Sausage candles.